Good morning, and welcome to our reflective service. Some of you may have noticed that David Lucas was originally down to take this service, but he found he got a diary clash, so he's elsewhere. Now, you might think, wherever he is, surely he could just use a video link. We've got the technology. Well, maybe not. He's in Kathmandu. <laughs> so it's me as a stand-in. We'll start with Becky and a notice, if we may. Becky is promising us sunshine on a particular day. Morning. Um, as you may have seen in the notice sheet, I thought we'd better do something nice and fun while we've got a bit of sunshine, although today, not so much. But, um, so next week, after the service, Whoever is available, whoever is up for it, whoever wants to spend the afternoon on the beach, we're going to be heading down to West Wittering. So it'll just be a sort your own self out, bring your own picnic or barbecue, bring your swimming costume and your towels and your epic Fortnum and Mason picnic baskets and all of that. Strawberries and cream, whatever you want. Um, we're all just going to head down after the service next week and have a bit of fun on the beach, rain or shine, hail, burning heat, I don't mind which, um, but that's the plan. We're going to try and bring some of our young people along as well so you can see them. Maybe we'll get a game of cricket going. Um, yeah, we're just going to head down there. Who knows how long we'll be down there for. If it's pouring with rain, we'll come back at four. But um, yeah, so if you're up for it, if you're in, um, let me know. Otherwise, just turn up down there and we'll all try and find each other. Um, I think my email or phone number is on the uh, sheet. Otherwise, um, if we have problems liaising and trying to find each other, call me. Um, if you need my number, I can give that to you. But yes, hopefully it's going to look as sunny as that. And I thought it might be a little bit of fun before we hit the summer holiday. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. We'll start our worship by singing Songs of Fellowship 528. If we could have that one up, Ian, please. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In singing this, we acknowledge the supremacy of our creator God. <laughs> The 
face the Lord. gather to praise and worship you, so we ask that you meet with us and bless this time together. We thank you for our many blessings, including for the freedom to worship you. We think also of those of our number who are absent. We pray for the infirm, such as Phil and other elderly, Enid, Irene. We pray for the ill, such as Ian, our pastor, and we pray for his swift recovery from nervous exhaustion. We pray for all who are absent for whatever reason, and we ask you to meet them at their points of need. Amen. Amen. So we're back on Nehemiah. It's taking a while doing it a chapter at a time, and we're on chapter 12, if we can have the first slide, Ian, thanks. The second bullet point, if I may address first. Now, we've grown rather used to encountering lists of names in Nehemiah, Chapter 12 is no exception. There are 47 verses of chapter 12. 33 of them give us names of people. It's the names of the people who were there at the time and their ancestry. So it makes it very clear that Nehemiah 12 is talking about the Israelites who had returned to the region of Jerusalem and it quotes their ancestry going right back and linking them to God's chosen people of old. So it's not the Persians that we're talking about who were living there, nor the Greeks, nor the other people groups. It was God's chosen people, descendants of. Now, there's some intriguing details buried in those names. There's a couple of verses that specify that some named individuals stood opposite other named individuals for worship in the temple. Now you think, hmm, a bit over the top. Do we need to know where people stood in the temple? Well, there was a reason for it. It was because much of their worship was based on the tradition started by David, who wrote the Psalms, and it was the technique of antiphonal singing, call and response. Hey, we just did that, didn't we? And indeed we did the first song that we sang based on Psalm 24, Psalm of David. So let's go up to the first bullet point. What were these people, the people of God, doing? Well, a procession, a great celebration, a thanksgiving. That's what happened on this day 
that we're referring to in Israel. Now, I wonder what you think of when you think of procession celebration. Maybe you think of when England won the Rugby World Cup in 2003, joyful procession in London when the players came home. The country celebrated the victory, but for most, they weren't actually in the celebration, they were watching the celebration on the telly, spectators. More meaningful is when people are actually involved in the procession, involved in the celebration. Val and myself lived in Holland in the late 1970s with our two young children. Our village near Amsterdam, a delightful integrated community. Highlights of the year were when the village band got itself together and they would assemble and march around the village gathering a procession as they went. Everybody joined in as it went past the end of your street where you lived. The Queen's birthday, everybody waved orange flags, including us, I guess. Palm Sunday, people carried decorated crosses. And December the 5th, everybody paraded when Sinterklaas arrived, St. Nicholas from Spain in a boat. That's the way they do it. So that was delightful, those instances where the whole village got together and we enjoyed a celebration and there was a wonderful procession. And Nehemiah 12 is describing a similar sort of situation. Nehemiah 12 says that all of the returned Israelites, they were taking part in a procession. And verses 27 to 29 tell us that the occasion was the dedication of the walls of Jerusalem. And it was indeed a grand procession. Very organized. It wasn't a rabble walk or anything like it. They were celebrating joyfully. We read that they had the music of cymbals, harps, lyres, L-Y-R-E-S. Um, there were masked singers. They weren't singing whatever was the modern popular song of the day. They were singing the songs based on the Psalms. Verse 36 tells us that the music was as prescribed by David, the man of God. And the singers then, as we've observed, were carefully arranged so they could do the antiphonal singing, the call and response. Now, this wasn't a celebration of their own achievements. It could have been because they had worked hard, but it wasn't. It could have been a celebration of Nehemiah's achievement or of Ezra's, but no, that wasn't the focus. The focus was a celebration of what God had done through them. Thanksgiving to God. Now, verse 31 tells us that Nehemiah organized the thing, and he split the whole group into two halves. Each half was led by a large choir with their instruments. And each half then was followed by half of the priests, and the priests had trumpets, and then half the Jewish leaders and half the people. Can have the next slide then, Ian, please? That's what Jerusalem, it's what they think Jerusalem might have looked like, perched up on the hill based on what archaeological remains that there are. It seems that Nehemiah assembled the large gathering, sort of bottom left, uh, where the red arrows are, probably some inside the walls and some spilling out of the gates. And as the procession moved off, they would have climbed the steps to get up onto the walls. So one half proceeded from bottom left, underneath, and up the right-hand side, 
anti-clockwise. They were led by the priest Ezra, who'd done so much with Nehemiah to rebuild the city and rebuild the people. And the other half, they went straight up the left-hand side and over the top, clockwise, with Nehemiah following them. And Nehemiah lists all of the landmarks that each group passed, the towers, the gates, quite a lot of detail. Well, just imagine the scene. The choirs with their instruments, singing, the priests and the trumpets, the leaders, the people. And the two processions met then at the temple end, top on the right-hand side. And they would have descended down to gather in the temple and its surroundings. Everybody gathered together now. And verse 43 tells us, And on that day they offered a great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Well, let us sing again, um, maybe emulating what happened 2,500 years or so ago, still relevant today. We're going to sing Songs of Fellowship 464. That's Praise Him on the Trumpet, Psaltery and Harp. And it's actually based on Psalm 150. Would have been sung in David's time, possibly in Nehemiah's, and now ours. And while we're singing this, um, the tins will be circulated. Um, the work of the church is actually supported by uh, members um, separately, but what we do with the tins is we pass them around to collect, if you wish, um, uh, to give to some compassion children that we support uh, and to our charity in Zambia, Mechanics for Africa, uh, and the excess is used for disaster relief. So 464, praise him on the trumpet, psaltery and harp. Praise him on the trumpet, the psaltery and harp. Praise him on the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the string instruments too. Praise him on the loud cymbals. Praise him on the loud cymbals. Let everything that has
Thank you. Please sit. And uh, let us pray. Father, you've blessed us so much, and we thank you for everything that you have given us. And we ask your blessing now on these gifts um, that they may be used for the benefit of the children supported through compassion and the um, work that we do in the Mechanics for Africa in Zambia um, and uh, disaster relief. Thank you, Lord. Bless these gifts. Amen. Amen. So the next slide, Ian. Thank you very much. Um, well, as well as rejoicing, <coughs> they made provision for the future, and that's the, the third bullet point there. Verses 44 to 47 of chapter 12 tell us about this. They appointed men to be in charge of the storerooms to look after the offerings that they promised to make. And those offerings would sustain the singers, the musicians, the Levites, who were the sort of practical people, the priests, spiritual, and everyone who was involved in the operation of Jerusalem, even down to the gatekeepers who were essential to keep the city safe. And the people, of course, who operated everything to do with the temple. So we read that all Israel, all of the people, contributed portions for operation of the temple. Ooh, these days we might call that sort of thing tax, paid a bit grudgingly. But then it was voluntary, given willingly and fulsomely. So there was a celebration, the walls and the gates rebuilt, the temple rebuilt, the people rebuilt, and the future funded. Job done, praise the Lord. But let's reflect. Indeed, they celebrated what was good, but it wasn't all a bed of roses. They were indeed back in Israel. They'd got Jerusalem back, and it was rebuilt. But they were a minor colony of the greater Persian Empire. Israel was ruled over by a foreign power. They'd fixed what they could, their surroundings, their attitudes, and what they couldn't fix the occupation of their country by a mighty foreign power, well, they could pray about it, but otherwise they had to live with the outcome. And it stayed much as it was for a while, albeit different rulers after them, after the Persians. So that was Nehemiah 12 then. Sometime after the celebrations and the thanksgiving of Nehemiah 12, Nehemiah returns to Persia to resume his duties in the king's household. He'd never intended to move back to Israel permanently. He was just on loan to them. So he goes back. Um, and no doubt he was happy with what he'd left. Uh, Jerusalem rebuilt, the temple, the people, Israel obeying God's commands as laid down. So there was a lot that was good. That leaves just the last chapter of Nehemiah. And that is at some point in the future. So how is it all going to end? Does it end on the high that Nehemiah leaves us with at the end of chapter 12 in most respects? Or does something else happen? Watch this space. So what do we draw from all of this? If we can move to the next slide, please, Ian. Thanks very much. Well, firstly, if it's fixable... If you can do something, then persevere and overcome. That's what they did. And then rejoice, celebrate, give thanks to God. 
In short, be thankful for what you do have and don't be overcome by what you lack. And then secondly, don't worry over that which you cannot change. Pray by all means, be concerned by all means, but accept the outcome if you can't alter it. So as we look at our own lives now, at our church, our country, well, maybe not everything is great, maybe there are problems. But let us do as they did back in those days. Let us celebrate what is good, focusing on what we have, not on what we lack. And as for things that are not right, but that we cannot fix, well, be concerned, by all means pray, but don't worry, leave it with God. Well, it seems these days there's not much of an opportunity to go on a rejoicing procession. A cynic might say that they've been replaced these days by the protest march. But hear this, I was reading Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth in the week. And that was a troubled church, of course, and Paul writes at length of those difficulties, the strife, the distress, the anguish, the mistrust. And then in the midst of describing all of those woes, Paul seems suddenly to sort of say, oh, do you know what? And he lifts his sights and he takes the helicopter viewpoint. And that's the next slide, Ian, please. So we've got Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. This is where it is. Paul suddenly breaks from all of the minutiae and the difficulties and the problems and he simply says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in a triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Thanks be to God, who always leads us in a triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. So from everyday anguish and strife to that image that Paul had and that we can have now of all Christians as a metaphorical triumphant procession so let's sing again firstly we're going to sing praise to god almighty in songs of fellowship 577 which is we declare your majesty and then we're going to go straight on to our final song which is songs of fellowship 1346 which acknowledges that vital difference between nehemiah's time and ours <coughs> we live after god changed the system after christ so we will sing also then, in Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. <laughs> Sing it again, all on earth. 
standing let's say the grace to each other the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with us all evermore amen please sit down thank you to everybody that's been involved today for those who were involved before this service with the youngsters for those who have been involved here the sound desk projection, our wonderful musicians, our singers, refreshments. Big thanks to everybody for making this all happen. And have a very good week, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.